you can tell how experienced I am. I'm still struggling to figure out that a mic has to be connected. So uh, good to have you guys this morning. Uh, welcome to Church in the F Square. My name is Juan Estubignan. I'm one of the elders here at the church over finance and over mission. I will not be talking about giving more money or offering. I'm actually going to be continuing on the stuff that we've been going through, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Jason, our elder over uh, teaching, has been teaching for, I think, 18 months on consecutive Sundays, so we thought that he uh, should get a well-deserved Sabbath, and so he's going to be taking a break, visiting his family down in, in Mississippi for the next uh, three weeks or so. So hopefully he's not listening today. Uh, I know that if I say anything wrong, he'll get the emails anyway, so it'll be okay and that he's able to just enjoy time with his family. So uh, thanks everyone joining online and for those of you here on this holiday weekend. Uh, I know that there's some new faces since we've started gathering again since the pandemic. So if you guys don't know me, I'll give you a little bit of a brief intro on myself. I'm uh, Mexican-American. I'm born in the border city of El Paso, Texas. I have four brothers. I've been in the Midwest for about 20 years. Uh, in Chicago for 10 of those years, and in Logan Square a little bit over five years. I live a block south of Monroe Elementary, that's where we used to gather, and I've been married to my lovely wife, Lindsay, for a little bit over five years. So I, I work in Evanston at a, at a biotech company, and I do accounting and finance for them as well. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit of my background. Um, and if you have never had coffee with me, if we haven't connected, I'd love to do that at some point. Uh, even better yet, I'd rather have some tacos with you or go and grab some hibaritos across the street because there's a lot of good food out here, so we can enjoy it. Uh, so if you're new to Church in the Square or you haven't been tracking with us for a while, uh, we've been going through the book of Romans. And um, more specifically, we've been over uh, chapter 5 in Romans. And so I think what would be helpful for us is to do a little bit of a recap of what we've been uh, going through uh, the past month or so. So we start uh, with chapter 4 of Romans where uh, Paul, the author of the letter, uh, really focuses on Abraham, the father of the Jewish people in the Old Testament, as a case study for his readers to um, understand how we are justified. As a, as a reminder, so what does it really mean to be justified? It means to be made righteous before God. And so the question here is that how are you and I justified and how are we made righteous? You see, we're justified by grace through faith alone. Just like Abraham was made righteous through faith, so are we. And so our faith's object is actually Jesus, who died and rose for our salvation. And the amazing thing about our faith is that our faith isn't grounded on how strong our faith is. It's actually grounded on the fact that Jesus is strong, and he's the object of our faith. So that's, that's the summary of chapter 4. Then Paul pivots into chapter 5, and he talks about, all right, now that you are a people that are justified, let's talk to some of the benefits of justification. And so in the first three verses, he hits on three really key things. He says, number one, we have peace with God. We have peace with God because now we're justified by faith. Number two, we can now rejoice. 
We can rejoice because we're told that we can build our lives around the status of grace. We are given a favorable position from which we can develop a personal relationship with God. Now we have a friendship with God. We can rejoice, or what he alludes to is boasting. We can boast in Jesus who gives us access to the Father. And then number three, Paul really pivots and starts talking about rejoicing and suffering. And when we look through suffering, we, we can look to that with joy because we see the certainties that we have in Christ beyond the suffering. Another thing that suffering does is it actually produces, uh, it, it leads to a process of refinement uh, of our hearts so that we're able to tune in to our greatest hope, which is Christ himself. And then last week, Paul goes a little bit deeper, and we talked about this. He reminded us what living by grace through faith really looks like. And it's really simple and beautiful. It's an understanding of God's love. Specifically, Jason highlighted three things that we learned about God's love in these verses. One is that God's love is for sinners. Number two, God's love is about God. And then number three, God's love is right on time. And now, what we're going to focus on today is the present and the eternity as, as Paul pivots to that. Mainly, we're going to see really, really two key takeaways. It's that we will see that Jesus saves us in life, and Jesus saves us in death, through his life, and through his death. So if you could turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 9, and we'll kick off from there. All right, Romans 5, 9 says the following. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. These are the words of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you are present with us here in this moment. Lord, I thank you that you're present with our brothers and sisters, our friends that are watching online. Lord, I thank you that we cannot escape your presence. There's not a place that is too far from your presence, from your grace, and from your love. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, thank you that, Lord, we don't have to wonder what you have to say to us. God, that we can go to your word and we can learn about your truths and hear you speaking to us here and now. Father, I pray that you help me handle your word rightly. Lord, as someone who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. God, I come to you humbly. Lord, I know my limitations. God, and I, I, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me as we go through your word. God, I pray for the hearts of my friends. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that they, their hearts will be opened uh, through your Holy Spirit. God, will, there, will you quiet their souls at this time? Will they have ears to hear? Lord, we know the promises that you say that your word does not return void. And so I call on that this morning, Father. Father, I also pray for peace in our city. Lord, 
we've seen just the violence escalate. Lord, I pray for our neighborhood, God, for the northwest side of the city. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of the needs in our community. Help us to celebrate when there's things to celebrate and to mourn and lament when we should be mourning and lamenting with our neighbors. Help us to respond, Lord, in truth and in love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so point number one. We are saved by Jesus' death. Let's read Romans 5, 9 first. It says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You see, what, what Paul's doing when he's talking about these, this passage is he's actually linking the previous section, right? He goes with the word, the transition word, therefore. And that's a causal effect transition, meaning that you have been justified by Jesus' blood, and that's it. It's a full stop. It's an accomplished fact. It's a reminder to you and to me of all the things that we've been talking about. So what are we being reminded? We're, we're being reminded that our justification is by grace, Romans 3.24. We're reminded that our justification is by faith, Romans 3.28. We're reminded that it is connected to the resurrection, Romans 4.25. We're reminded that it's all in the name of Jesus, 1 Corinthians 6.11, 6, and it's in his spirit. We're reminded that it's in Christ, and here it is by his blood. You see, all these pieces of God's saving act are ways to express, come down to the truth that everything happens because of God. Go with me to Romans 8.33. And I think Paul does a great job summing it up here in Romans 8.33. He says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. I don't know about you guys, but that's a piece of truth that I need to hear about just about every day. Even simply preparing for this sermon and thinking through what I was going to teach through, I know that I hear the lies of the enemy telling me that I'm a fake, I'm not trained, I'm not well qualified, I am weak. I know all those things. But I can point to the fact that I'm justified by grace through faith in Jesus, it's not my own doing. It's a free gift of God, so no one may boast. Now, the second part of verse 9 has this much more argument. And we have to look back to verse 8 to realize what that much more is referencing. First, we got to be reminded by the fact that Paul in verse 8 was saying, number one, Paul, uh, Christ did a great work to justify sinners. Number two, Christ died for his enemies. So if those two things are true, then of course, he will certainly keep those that are now his friends. What he is saying is that Jesus is saving us from the wrath of God. And here, the wrath of God is in reference to the future wrath to come. It's the, I have this in my notes, let's see if I can say it, the eschatological wrath. That's what it is. And Christ's death saves us from eternal death. We will not experience the wrath of God then. 
nonetheless, I really do think it's important for us to meditate on the wrath of God. Did you know that there's more references in Scripture to anger, fury, and wrath than there actually is to God's love and tenderness? You know, Paul talks about wrath in, in a couple sections beforehand. In Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He further expounds that, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It's one of my favorite books from J.I. Packer. It's called Knowing God, and he talks about the wrath of God. He says the following. He says, the wrath of God is a perfection of God's character that we should meditate on frequently. Why? Because our hearts are prone to regard sin lightly and make excuses for sin, but the more we study and ponder on God's abhorrence of sin and his frightful vengeance upon it, the more that we realize how hideous it really is. It helps us to revere the Lord more deeply and be reminded that our God is a consuming fire. Ultimately, what it should do is being reminded of God's wrath should draw our, out our soul to a fervent praise to Jesus Christ from delivering us from the wrath to come. Our readiness and reluctancy to meditate on the wrath of God becomes a sure test of how our heart stands with him. Brothers and sisters, we need to praise Jesus Christ for saving us from the wrath of God. Jesus' death gives me hope after life. So point number two, we're also saved by Jesus' life. Let's go back to the passage and continue in verse uh, 10 of chapter 5. It says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more we are reconciled, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So when you and I think about Jesus' life here on earth, it's marked by two things, by worship and by obedience to the Father. Can you guys turn with me to John uh, chapter 15, verse 10? John 15.10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You guys hear that? Jesus' life gives us hope in life, so that our joy may be full. You see, in Christ, we really do find what true life is, ab is about. We can embrace worship and obedience to the Father. You see, being saved is not about going to heaven someday. That's not what it's all about. It's about the reality of the coming kingdom now. Uh, scholar N.T. Wright actually 
talks about this. He explains in his book, Surprised by Hope, that Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is actually talking about. I'll just read here from the Lord's Prayer. It says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you, for not, if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So what that means is that you and I are invited to take part in God's kingdom that's being expanded now. Specifically, what's happening here and now in the northwest side of the city. We should be living that reality here and now. That means that you and I are called to be mindful about the least, the last, and the lost here in our neighborhood. That we're able to partner with other ministries that are already doing God's work Actually, places like ICI, where we partner with. And we do that to bring around restoration in our communities. And you see, there's no except for clause. What I mean by that is, that's something that we should all be doing. I know in meeting with several of our members, sometimes I hear, I hear uh, this come up often, you know. We, we, we don't have enough members that speak Spanish. How are we going to be effective in our neighborhood? You know what? Um, we can demonstrate our love and empathy for our, all our neighbors without having to speak Spanish. That's not a requirement. You can be mindful to a person without speaking the language. We can do plenty of service in, in other ways. And I just ask you, if you really have thought about that, just pray to God and he'll convict you in your spirit. I know we've seen it as a church when we partner with Armitage Baptist Church. They, they had plenty of Spanish speakers as we were uh, coming alongside um, them in, in, in time of COVID and being able to partner with different Hispanic families across the neighborhood. So one thing that you can do though is we really got to get to know our neighbors. And what I mean by that is, when I mean like knowing our neighbors, I'm talking about knowing their names. I'm talking about hearing their stories. I'm talking about taking the time to stop and to listen. We, we need to be a, a curious people in our own neighborhood. And it's funny, when you prepare for this stuff, you're convicted. Because yesterday, uh, Lindsay and I had our first uh, yard sale. And let's just say we didn't sell much. But, but what we did do is the neighbors came over, and it was amazing. I had really, really good conversations with our, our next-door neighbor. And she was telling me, all of a sudden, she started opening up about her life and growing up and this and that. And, and as I was sitting there, God was reminding me, just convicting me, about the fact that I can be talking about this, but how often do I just take the time to stop and listen? We need to be a people that are present in our neighborhood. We, we just need to be here. 
We need to be around and ready to listen. So that word is not just for you guys. It's definitely for me. So these verses are telling us, right, that Christians don't just have an assurance about their eternal state, but they, we're also being taught in how to live our lives now. We don't, we don't have to hope, right? We don't just have to hope about the afterlife. We already have hope in life because we have already been saved from the wrath of God. You see, since Jesus took on the wrath of God, now we can take a hold of what's real life. And so what, I, what, do, what do I mean by that, right? It's that through Christ's life, those who we saw as enemies have now become family through his adoption. And so, brothers and sisters, real life is found now in our identity as obedient children, not as enemies of God. And so what does that mean is that the reality is that you and I are not saved by life as we define it. And what I mean by that is that so often we look at real life in a, in a really anti-biblical way. I'll give you a few examples. We, we look at real life uh, about pleasure and not about holiness. As believers, we fall into this trap that by seeking pleasure and comfort, that's what it's all about. That, that life somehow is only worth it when I have this kind of pleasure or experience, a certain kind of life. But Jesus calls us to holiness. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Real life is also about family and not about individuality. So often we live life as in life only matters if it happens to me and it impacts me, but that's not how it should be, brother and sister. You know, Galatians 6.2 reminds us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And it's been really, it's been a pleasure. So the last few weeks, the elders and I have been meeting with different groups, and I've been really encouraged just to see how our, our groups during this time of COVID have really lived this out. They've really been bearing each other's burdens. So my encouragement to you, uh, whether you're online or in person, is to not grow weary of doing good. Number three, real life is about submission and not about autonomy. We hear that life only has meaning when I completely free myself from any obligation or responsibility to take care of someone, but Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Even more, he emptied himself for our sake. Philippians 2.7 says, But Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So point one, we are saved by Jesus' death. Number two, we are saved by Jesus' life. Now let's go back to the end of Romans 5.11.
Paul concludes here by saying, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who through whom we now have reconciliation. So Paul adds one final consideration, one more thing. He adds the phrase, more than that. So Paul brings up the word rejoice for a third time. The first two times, if you guys recall, rejoicing means to boast or to exult in. So uh, this time we're supposed to boast in God as the source for reconciliation. It's a reminder that for you and me that God is central in our life and that we cling to Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection. And that's what actually brings about our relationship with God. You see, the first ten verses we're talking about how the benefits that we have of being justified. And in summation, what Paul likes us to know is that you and I are ultimately saved for joy and that we should celebrate that. You know, um, Jesus lived with joy. He found joy in obeying his heavenly Father and the fruit that it produced in his life. You know, oftentimes I believe that we think that joy comes from things other than obedience, like some big reward for obedience, but actually joy should come from obedience itself. The second piece is that Jesus actually died for joy. In Hebrews 12, 2, we say, we look, in, we look to that passage and it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To sum up what we've discussed, in life and death we can know lasting joy because in Christ we've been saved from wrath as enemies of God and we're made a family. Through Jesus' life we know what real life is. Real life is about holiness, not about pleasure. Real life is about family, not individuality. And real life is about submission and not autonomy. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks for your death and for your life. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from an eternal death and giving us eternal life. that the real life that you've showed us we can live now, Father. Help us to obey. Forgive us of our sins and of our trespasses. In Jesus' name, amen.